Morning, church. So good to see everyone again. Um, been a couple of interesting weeks. Glad to be back in the building. Glad to have the water problems fixed. We're still recovering from a little bit of damage, but um, it is manageable, so we're glad to be back. We continue our study uh, from the book of Ephesians. We're calling it Created to Do Good. Um, you just saw that on a graphic. That's our theme for this church for this year. We're wanting to do good, and we're trying to give you things to do good every month. Um, Love of Christ is our march. Do good. So let's do a quick review. In chapter 1, Paul wants us to see who we are. And so he uses all of those phrases in chapter 1. We're saints. We're faithful. We're blessed. We're chosen. We're predestined. We're adopted. We're sons. We're heirs, co-heirs. We're redeemed. We're informed. We're purposed. We're included. We're saved. We're marked. We're guaranteed. We're empowered. We are valuable. This is the kind of language that we need to feed our souls. These are the constant reminders that we need to have that this is who we are and this is how God sees us. This is who we are. And so he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's who we are. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is positive thinking about the power of God. And so he ends chapter 1, and he's going to tell us that we have power. Look at what he says. He prays, I pray also that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now this prayer is important because he ends chapter 1 praying for power. He's going to illustrate that power in chapter 2. And he's going to spend what we're going to look at today. He's going to talk in chapter 3 about that power. So that power, the word is dunamis in the Greek from which we get the word dynamite. Paul wants us to know we are empowered. All of those things he listed, the last one was empowered. We are empowered. He prays that we understand that we are empowered. So again, in chapter 2, he's going to show us that power. He's going to show us that power on an individual basis. He's going to show us that power as a church. And he says this in chapter 2. He says, but God, but God, because of his great love for us, who's rich in mercy, he made us alive. He raised us up. He seated us with. He saved us by to show his incomparable riches and to show his grace. He says this is who we are because of the power of God. The power of God does those things in our lives. The power of God is what makes us what we are and this is what God does in our lives. So he goes on to say that God, um, this is our Ephesians 2, this is who we are. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. Another translation. God has made us what we are. Again, it's His power. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing good things. And we've been looking at other translations. Spend our lives doing the good things. Ready to be used for good works. Created for a life of good deeds. Spend our lives in helping others. To join Him in the work He does. God made us to do good things, which is why we're giving you something to do good things every month. We're created to do good things. That's what we're called to do. We're created with purpose. And he's going to tell us what that purpose is as a church, not just individuals. 
A lot of times we get so wrapped up in our personal salvation that we forget that God calls us to do something outside of ourselves. He calls us to do something as a church. So he tells us that purpose. He says God's purpose, God's intent, God's plan was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. So he's talking to Gentiles. So the Gentiles who didn't used to be in the picture, the Jews were always in the picture. Now the Jews and the Gentiles were going to create one new, one new humanity out of the two and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So he illustrates in chapter 2. He says, um, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're fellow citizens. You're members. You're joined together. You're built together. You're a dwelling in which God lives. So you may get all wrapped up in just you being an isolated Christian. And Paul says, no, God called us as a church. That's why we're being built together and joined together. So, formerly, we were separated from Christ. We were excluded from citizenship. We were foreigners to the covenant of promise. We were without hope, without God in the world, once far away. But because of the power of God that He's praying that we understand, that He's praying that we use, Because of the power of God, now in Christ Jesus, we're fellow citizens. We're members of God's household. We're reconciled. We're joined. We're built. We have access to the Father. God's workmanship. We are a dwelling place in which God lives. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good. We are empowered. So he's trying to get us to understand that God has a purpose. And he empowers us for that purpose. That's why we're joined together and fitted together and built together and reconciled together. And we are fellow citizens together and a holy temple together. And we are God's workmanship together because we're created together. We're created together, not isolated Christians. Created together to do good works. So now we get to chapter 3. I just want to remind you, he's going to spend three chapters telling us who we are. And then he's going to spend three chapters telling us how to live. So we really need to understand who we are in Christ. And we need to understand the power that we have. So let's look at what he says in chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Which is interesting. That statement in and of itself, he's still telling us who who we are. He's not a prisoner of Christ Jesus per se. He's a prisoner of Rome. He's a prisoner of Caesar. This is one of the prison epistles that he wrote when he was in prison. But his perspective is not that way. He says, this is who you are. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm here in prison because I'm preaching to you Gentiles. I'm here in prison because I'm preaching that Gentiles and Jews are equal. Equal heirs, equal members, equal partners. That's why he's in jail. That's why he's in prison. But Paul always looks at his circumstances through what God is calling him to do. You know, he says in Philippians chapter 1, another of the prison epistles, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's in jail. He says, what's happened to me has has caused the gospel to be advanced. As a result, it's become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else, I am in change for Christ. He's in chains because he's preaching Christ. And he says, God's using that to spread the gospel. And he wants these Gentiles to know that I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus because of you. Because I'm preaching to you. Because I'm preaching the power of the gospel. 
If he wasn't preaching this message, he wouldn't be arrested. If he wasn't arrested, he wouldn't have been in prison. If he wouldn't have been in prison, he wouldn't have written one of the prison epistles. And he says, God has a purpose. God has a plan. And he's reminding us who we are. And he uses these three words. Equal heirs, equal members, equal partners. Now, if you lived in that day, Jews and Gentiles, that was huge. And if you live today, that still needs to be a huge message. I like the way one author puts it. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God, Gentiles, and those who had, have heard of Him all their lives, the Jews, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises. There's no junior Christians. There's no lesser Christians. There's no. He says we're equal. We're equal. We're equal. Three times. Equal heirs, equal members, equal partners. And then he keeps reminding us of the power of God. He says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of this power. He keeps giving us that message. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he goes on and he says, God's plan, God's purpose, God's intent was that now, this isn't just us as individual Christians. Through the church, that's who we've been called to be. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus. Now, th- this, this is just this is so huge. God's plan, God's purpose, God's intent is that through the church, not just individual Christians, but through the church, again, that's why we're joined together. He's built us together. We're heirs together and members together and partners together and we're the church together and we're created in Christ together. God's plan is bigger than just salvation for you. God's plan is bigger than the church. God's plan is that the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms, in places we don't even see, in places we can't even comprehend, God's plan is that through the church, this is part of His plan, everybody would know, everybody would see, everybody would understand how powerful God is that He can bring Jews and Gentiles together, that He can bring black and white together, that He can bring Democrats and Republicans together, that He can bring all of us together through the church. And that's such a powerful message to our community. God's plan is so much bigger than me and you. God's plan is so much bigger than the church. He wants even the heavenly realms to understand. I love the way the message says this. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches. This extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. God's plan is so much bigger. So... He's just wanting us to see how powerful God is. He's wanting us to see this dunamis. He's wanting us to see this this dynamite of God. God has a plan and God has a purpose. So he says, don't don't get bogged down in in your life. I know sometimes we get so overwhelmed with, with the things that are happening in our lives that Paul says, hey, it's a whole lot bigger than that. It seems big to us because it's our life. It seems big to us because it's happening to us. But he says, don't get discouraged. Don't get bogged down. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. 
in our feeble little minds, we think that everything's happening right here. And Paul says, no, 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 no. It's not just happening right here. It's not just happening right here. It's happening in the heavenly realms that we can't even comprehend. So Paul says, listen, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because I'm in jail. Don't be discouraged because I'm in prison. I I know you're kind of bogged down and I know you're kind of discouraged and I know you're wanting to give up and and I know you're thinking, wait a minute, you're, you're preaching and you're in jail. But he says, don't lose heart. Don't give up. He knows they're losing heart, and he knows they're giving up, and he knows they're struggling, so he's going to pray again. You remember, he prayed in chapter 1. He says, I've not stopped asking. I keep asking. I'm continually asking that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I want you to know the power of God. I want you to know how powerful God is. So look at how he prays in chapter 3. He says, For this reason... I bend my knees before the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Paul's natural position was in prayer to God. Not necessarily a physical position, but a constant position of being in prayer before the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. See, he's, He's even taking us out of the earth right now. This is bigger than just what's going on here. The whole family in heaven and the whole family on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So listen, listen. If you're thinking about giving up, if you're losing heart, if you're discouraged, if you're thinking about quitting, if you are in despair, this prayer's for you. As a matter of fact, if you're discouraged and thinking about giving up and thinking about quitting, Paul says the thing to do is to pray. Paul reminds us the place to begin when you don't know where to begin is prayer. And the place to begin when you don't know where to begin, when you're thinking about ending, is prayer. Prayer for the power of God. This prayer is for us. When your faith is failing, pray. When your faith is heavy, pray. When your faith is discouraged, pray. Again, he knows they're losing heart, and he knows that they're thinking about giving up. So three times in that prayer, three times, he's going to draw our attention again. He keeps drawing our attention to, we are empowered. I pray that He may strengthen you with power. I pray that you may have power. I pray that according to His power. Three times we've been saying the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, He gives to us to raise us from dead, unproductive lives. He's praying that we will allow God to infuse us with power, to infuse us with His strength, to infuse us with His energy, to infuse us with His dynamite. Paul wants us to know that strength is available to overcome our day-to-day circumstances. And he's praying that we tap into that strength, and he's praying and wanting us to grasp that strength. 
I pray that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Any one of those words would be good enough, but he uses four of them. The reason we lose heart and get discouraged is because we don't feel the presence of God. So Paul's praying that we will be strengthened with the power of God so that we can feel His presence in our day-to-day living. Paul's prayer continues. He says, I pray that you may be filled to all the fullness. Filled to all the fullness. In a world that makes us feel empty, we can be filled to the fullness of God. Here's how he says it in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that. This all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Another translation. We are like clay jars in which this treasure is stored. The real power comes from God and not from us. These jars of clay, these earthly bodies, God wants to fill our bodies, infuse our bodies on a day-to-day basis with His, with His power to be filled and fully flooded. When we try to fill, we come up empty. When God fills, we come up full. Look at this verse again, almost word for word from the Greek. Now to the one being able, that word is the dynamite word, beyond all things to do super abundantly, of which we ask or think, according to His power, that word again. Paul's really wanting us to grasp that the power of God is available for our lives. And we're living each day with untapped power because we try to live life through ourselves. His energy working in us. God is wanting to give us His power. God is making available His power. God is filling us to the fullness with His power. God wants to enable us with His power. Here's the statement I keep using. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, He gives to us to raise us from dead, unproductive lives. He will give more than we ask or think, more than we ask or imagine. We can't begin to imagine. We can't begin to imagine what God can do in our individual lives. We can't begin to grasp or imagine what God can do through this church. We can't begin to imagine what God can do in this community. The challenge for us is to learn the power of God. The challenge for us is to live the power of God. The challenge for us is to let the power of God, let God infuse our lives with His strength. Paul just wants us to know that the power of God is given to us to enable us to do things that we could never do in and of ourselves. Living the Christian life is not about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and doing it on your own. God says, I'm giving you my power. I'm giving you my strength. The power of God enables us to love like we could never love before, to forgive like we could never forgive before. Again, God wants to fill us to the fullness. God wants to enable us. God wants to empower us. God wants to infuse us. There's no reason. There's no reason. We should lack power to live each day. Paul sees the Christian life as an empowered life. So he's praying that we allow God to empower us, to make us alive when we were dead, to give us spiritual blessings, to make us part of His family, the church, to give us His Spirit, to let Jesus dwell in our hearts, to know the love of Christ, to make all His fullness live in us. God's 
capacity to meet our needs far exceeds anything that we could ever even request in prayer. His capacity to fill us to the fullness far exceeds anything we can ask or think or imagine. So maybe we just need to do what our children do and go back to singing songs that our children sing and go back to VBS. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. You ought to sing that every day. If you don't like that song, sing this one. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what He wants me to be. That's what we've been saying. That Paul says that this is the power that was made available to him. This is the power he preached to the Gentiles. This is the power that is available to each one of us. And this is the power that we need to tap into every single day. Now God has us where He wants to join Him in the work He does. Three chapters for us to understand this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who we are. We are empowered. We are infused. There's no reason we should not have power on a day-to-day basis This is who we are, and he's going to tell us in chapters 4, 5, and 6, because we now understand this is who we are and the power that we have, there's no reason, there's no reason, chapters 4, 5, and 6, we should have any difficulty doing what we're called to do, living the way we're called to live, walking the way we're called to walk. So we'll start that next week. Let's pray.